Hello. Boo. Ah. <laughs> it's October. noble patrons hello gentles all and welcome to what you will a tedious and brief shakespeare podcast i'm charlotte Aline. and i'm danielle cone and today we're going to be discussing halloween potpourri scary shakespeare shakespeare scarespeare spookspeare sure our Shakespeare spooktacular. Yes, there we go. Our Spookspeare Shakespeare. We're back from our uh, summer hiatus. Yeah, we we were summering in the country. Um, we had a whole parasol. <laughs> Just one between the two of us. We did. This is a true fact. Uh, Danielle and I did once sing "Weekend in the Country" at a karaoke bar. <laughs> at a karaoke it bar. It was. If you've never been in a hostage situation, <laughs> we can now tell you that we've essentially perpetrated one. Yeah, it's it's a, a seven part Sondheim song, and um, we from were a, from a musical. Kind of a called you know, a little night music. Not really a. A dance band. Not a, not a, not a jam. Well, it was a jam. It was a it jam. It was a jam. Everyone loved we it. We had fun. We, um, everyone loved it. And so, speaking of terrifying and upsetting experiences, that we've done. Shakespeare's got a lot of uh, spooks and scares and ghosts <laughs> and goblins. Not, not a lot of goblins. Like mostly just Caliban. I, uh, I was gonna say I can't think of any goblins, but. What, Depends on okay, uh, how you cast your production. I know this is not what we're talking about today, but I feel like we've gotten really far away from the fact that canonically Caliban is like uh, a Shape of Water-esque fishman. Fishman. But not even a Shape of Water-esque one, because he's also like scary and, you know, wants to get her hymen. Like, it's, you know, he's not. Yeah, he's, I don't. I don't understand why that makes him any less sexy. <laughs> um, no, yeah, he's but he's like supposed to be like a, a swamp, swamp thing esque little monster. Um, not that you can't make him whatever kind of person. Yeah, you, don't you worry. Want. Yeah, don't um, add us. But this isn't our Tempest episode. No, uh, but yeah, Shakespeare, Shakespeare's got a lot of a lot of creepy stuff going on. Um, which do you want to start with today? Talking about yeah, creeps, so so basically just to sort of set your expectations for what's going to be happening in your ears for the next you know hour um we we're gonna take today and sort of give you a little tour i'm gonna turn off my phone ringer because i'm a professional but give you a little tour through some of shakespeare's spooky stuff and quite honestly one of the things that's fun about shakespeare is that there's a lot of it so today i think we're gonna mostly focus on ghosts and i'd love to start with the uh the curse the curse, the curse. so if <laughs> That was a sound effect of a scream that will hurt your sensitive ears. Mm-hmm. Um, a scream in the far distance. It's in our, from our dungeon. Yep. Um, we do currently have three skeletons in our living room. Mm-hmm. Um, and only one of them is real. <laughs> which one? Uh, They're so, all named Cedric. They are all named Cedric. So, um, if you haven't heard of a little play called Macbeth, Macbeth. it is one of the most... Uh, Cursed place. <laughs> Something wicked this in, way does come. In the theater world. Um, oh my gosh, I'm sniveling. I'm going to take a sec to blow my nose so that that doesn't happen. 
okay, don't worry. I'm going to just keep it going. This is the first time I've been on the podcast alone without Charlotte. Don't tell her. I'm going to tell you a secret. Oh, hi, Charlotte. <laughs> Great. She's back. None of that happened. Macbeth. Macbeth. So you may have heard Macbeth referred to as the Scottish play or Mackers. Um, and it's got all of these fun nicknames. Does it have any others? Um, well, when you're talking about the, the, the lead guy, title character, I've heard him called the Thane, but it's not okay, like you would call yeah. the play the Thane. You would just um, the Thane and his wife or Lady M or yeah. McBee. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Lady M is, I, I think, probably more common than Lady Macbeth. Yeah, it's easier to say. Honestly, it feels Makes weird. It more fun. It also feels weird to me to even say Macbeth this much, um, which you might feel differently because, uh, full disclosure, Danielle's kind of in Macbeth. <laughs> It's it's it is weird though. I think doing it outside of the theater, yeah. but even like yeah, I'm I'm in a production of Macbeth uh, right now, and so we'll say it a lot in the theater, right? Of course, before the play, and I'm always like, I'm, I'm more deadened to it now. But especially when it started, I would be like, oh, I'm in a play, playing Lady M, you know. With McBee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Macbeth has such a reputation for being cursed that you're not supposed to say the name of the play in a theater. And if you're an extreme thespian, you feel uncomfortable saying the name anywhere. Yes, and I think he- I've told this story on the podcast before, but there was a day in high school where I said something about Macbeth in my kitchen, and both of my parents turned in unison and looked at me like I'd grown an extra head and were like, you say the name? And I was like, no, no, no. And these are parents that I could have said, yeah, so anyway, fucking bullshit. And they wouldn't have blinked. So yeah, My mom once made me leave an outdoor theater. It wasn't even a theater. It was a production of Falstaff, which is a cutting together of all Falstaff's good scenes uh, that my dad was in. And it was in like Battery Park or something. There, was no, there wasn't even like a, a theater structure. And I said Macbeth and she was like, you have to go. And the way, so the way you you relieve the curse is you have to step outside of the theater or like or off, the of, park. off of the lawn of the park. Um, I've heard there are many variations on the the counter curse. The one that my parents always made me do if I said Macbeth, pretty much anywhere, but especially in a theater or a theater adjacent park, um, you have to spin around three times, spit over your left shoulder, say "Angels and ministers of grace defend us," and then you have to knock to get back into the theater. Have you ever heard any different counter curses to it? Because I know a lot of people have their own homebrew. No, honestly, no. Okay. Um, So that's, uh, everything I've looked up, it's mostly been variations on that. Some of them drop the, oh, some of them when you spin around, you're supposed to like just say a string of expletives. That's funny. Um, But I also like that angels and ministers of grace defend us as Hamlet, Mm -hmm. right? So I like that you relieve (laughs) the cursed play by doing the smash hit. Yeah, well, and that's, um, so, so, okay, first I think we should talk about what the, what happens because of the curse, what are people scared of, um, and there have been a number of, well, so, I mean, like, as with all curses, there are, uh, some people who believe in it very ardently, and there's, there's a lot of cause for doubt, uh, because some of the, the original circumstances that made people afraid of the play are, um, attributed to the very first production, which was probably in 1606. We actually don't even know that for sure, though. 
So it's kind of hard, as with a lot of Shakespeare's life and his original productions, there's a lot to be called into question. Um, we don't. There's a lot of information we don't know for sure, but um, or that's like maybe apocryphal. Exactly. But the apocryphal story is that Lady M died on opening night, and Shakespeare had to go in for her. Um, at, this is probably not true. I hope it's true. I mean, I mean, not it that would she be died sad or he died. Because, but. yeah, because um, all the women were generally played by uh, young boys. So it would have been like a 14-year-old boy, probably. Oh, that's sad. That's um, sad. Yeah, so we hope, we hope not. But um, that is part of what got the, the curse started. In 1672, the actor playing Macbeth used a real dagger to commit a real murder on stage. So it's also Whoa, very that's likely... where that trope from every high school <laughs> slasher movie comes from. Yeah, so um, it, again, potentially apocryphal, but uh, it's likely that the curse got kind of backdated to the original production from later mishaps that happened. Because um, it's much more fun to say, well, in the original production. Yeah. Uh, in 1721, a performance resulted in a disgruntled band burning down a theater. Again, I, I should have found better sources because a lot of this is coming from the internet without... But, you know, that's part of... Look, anything that uh, enters the public consciousness counts as folklore, even if it doesn't count as history. And with curses, we're always talking, it's always more important the public perception of what the curse does than uh, the reality of the curse, because, you know, curses are real. Wait, can I, can I input on that, which I think is just funny? Sure. That's like the, um, so, so a, a show that's very similar to Macbeth, I think, is um, Pippin, you know, the musical Pippin. I... I don't know that's similar it's, to it's Macbeth. What, it's what everyone thinks when they first see Pippin. They're like, whoa, is this just Macbeth? And the answer is no. They have nothing in common. Except I think it's funny thinking about curses because there's an apocryphal story that the grandmother from Pippin like, literally went off stage after singing her big number and died in the original production, uh, which I believe is not quite true it's like again an apocryphal story i do believe she died during the run and like got a tony after she had died (laughs) but or tony after she died um but i just think if we're going to curse macbeth why isn't the grandmother role cursed in (laughs) well who's to say that it's not um who's to say but there are we there are more the uh, well okay we'll get into the reasons people think there's a curse in a minute but just to rattle off some more upsetting things that have happened during productions of Macbeth um, this one I don't I couldn't find a date for this one because again almost all of these are like a story of a story um, not necessarily like newspaper accounts yes but um, uh, the actress playing. Lady M fell 15 feet off the stage during the sleepwalking scene in one production. Um, In 1926, a minor actor improvised his part, tried to strangle Lady M on stage. Oh, no. Lady M gets a lot of the brunt of people upset about the curse, I think because she's a woman, but also because, you know, she's the one who's kind of like, uh, if you don't know the play, she kind of eggs Mackers on in the whole murder situation. I feel like also they're just on a practical level, like who has the staging that's probably the most dangerous? It's, it's Lady M. Yeah, because she does sleepwalk. She's the one that people get mad at and then everyone's like, 
How do we make the sleepwalking seem the scariest it's ever been? Um, in an 1849 production in New York, the audience got so upset by the events of the play that a riot broke out and more than 30 people died. That's insane. Um, when Lawrence, Must have been a terrible production. <laughs> when Lawrence Olivier played the title role of Macbeth in 1937, a weight from above the theater crashed uh down like within it didn't hurt him but like him crashing down during the production within inches of him ah. um and that production also used actual swords in the fight scene um and in one of the fights the tip of one sword broke off and flew into the audience it didn't i well it might have hurt someone but it it wasn't um the cause of major harm but the the man who it hit had a heart attack Oh my god. Um, also same. There was a 1942 production, also throwback to, uh, at my college, there was a director who shall rena- name, remain nameless. Rename nameless. Mm-hmm. Um, who had a car, I almost said a live car, who had a real car on stage in a production that rolled off into the audience. Just uh, in theater a- directors, <laughs> just stop. Maybe we should just stop having theater. <laughs> uh, in 1942, um, there was a production where that had three actors die during its run. In 1953, Charlton Heston played the lead and suffered severe burns, um, and his tights had been soaked in kerosene. Oh my by God. someone. So there, uh, I could go on. There, are, so there are just so a if number. You ever have a nemesis? <laughs> make sure that they get cast in a production of Macbeth because then it's fair game. The law can't pursue you if you commit a crime on someone who's doing Macbeth. Yeah. So, um, and, and there's also a lot of a lot of people accuse the the witches in the play of having like actual dark magic incantations mixed into their. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So there, it's it's an interesting cocktail of people double, double toil and trouble. <laughs> people being afraid of the like actual magic that's happening in Macbeth, and people being like, I don't know, a lot of bubble. people have gotten stabbed. Um, it's also interesting that... There are a lot of people getting stabbed around here. It's also really interesting that uh, about half of these these cursed events that have happened uh, to do with Macbeth, a lot of them are, you know, prop malfunctions or mysterious, like, tights being soaked in kerosene or weights falling from the ceiling. But then a lot you of know, them... You know, just your average yeah. tights mm-hmm. being soaked in kerosene. But then a lot of them are seem to be people reacting to the curse, like attacking Lady M or audiences getting really freaked out. Um, so... I think we should talk just briefly about why there's a curse because I think it's one of those like self-fulfilling prophecies where one Mac- just like in Macbeth. Ooh. Yeah, it is a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. Except for the end part that doesn't get fulfilled, but we can talk um, about that some other time. Yeah, this is not our this is not our Macbeth episode, I should say, uh, which is why we're not talking about the content of Macbeth at all because we were too scared. We were scared <laughs> to talk it's about the it. Spooky yet. month. We don't want to talk about the spooky play. Um, and also, it's like such a big play. It's and so it's big, and we have so many thoughts. It's a very about difficult it. play to stage effectively. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> to uh, quote slings and arrows. But no, I think that's actually one of the reasons that Macbeth is known as being cursed is because it's really popular. It gets done a lot. There are a lot of special effects. And it's got this association with dark magic. So if you're talking about, you know, theatrical special effects of the 1600s, 1700s, even 1800s, 
They're very dangerous. And I mean, even now, like, if you think about which Shakespeare plays are going to have the special effects that are most likely to be a little dangerous, Mm -hmm. this is up there. I mean, Titus, but... But uh, Titus was very popular at the time, um, but again, hasn't been done as often. Also, Titus doesn't have... It doesn't have any supernatural elements, right? No. Um, no, I just meant in terms of special Oh, yeah, no, no, no. A bunch well, of special, but even that is a lot of, like, blood packs, whereas this is, like, how do you make something scary? And a lot of times for us as modern audiences, that involves, like, fire. darkness and fire <laughs> and, like, things that are hard to see. Well, yeah, when There's I say... There's a lot of fighting. When I say special effects, I both mean the danger of, like, the actual weaponry, but also over the years people have done a lot of fun things with the witches that can get dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to know a lot... Theater is a very superstitious industry. There are a lot of theatrical superstitions, like, uh, you know, you can't say good luck on opening night, you have to say break a leg. And you can't whistle in a theater because they used to have sailors working the, the um, what are they called? The I'm miming it and you can't see it. Yeah, like the flies <laughs> and the pulleys and the ropes and stuff. And they would communicate by whistling. Yeah. So if you whistled, you could like drop something on someone. Yeah. And now it's just bad luck. Yeah, so I think similarly, the curse of Macbeth has a lot to do with the fact that it was performed a lot. Uh, with these special effects that were maybe kind of beyond the uh, the scope the scope of like <laughs> the technology they had at the time and that was they were generally dangerous um, and also just the association with the dark arts uh, which is interesting because Macbeth is also Shakespeare's most like one of his most propagandish plays propagandish propaganda adjacent plays yeah just in that one prophecy where they're like. <laughs> Oh my god, it's the best scene. Uh, it, it gets cut. There's So uh, if you don't know Macbeth, it starts with some witches making a prophecy about Mackers that he's going to become um, Thane of Cawdor and then the King of Scotland. He's like, oh, dope. Um, and then his wife is and like... And Gloms. And Gloms. He's already um, He's already... Oh, sorry. He's already Cawdor. He's going to become Gloms and then the King. Yeah. Um, one of those things. No one's that excited about Gloms. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Lady Macbeth gets real excited. She does. Um... And so his wife convinces him to do a murder. You can correct me if I'm wrong because you're actually playing. <laughs> I mean, she's, does she convince him? Yes. Is he already convinced? Maybe. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, not to get too into Macbeth. But uh, later on in the play, he does go back to the witches to hang out with them some more. It's like, more prophecies, please. Yeah. Um, so they can give him some more dank prophecies. Um, Get me that dank prophecy, though. But the thing was, historically, this was happening right um, when King James was taking over from Queen Elizabeth, who had just died. Um, And Queen Elizabeth, famously, never got married, never had kids, died without an heir. And King James was coming down from Scotland to take the throne. And it was kind of tense. Shakespeare had been a favorite of Queen Elizabeth's. I I should think that probably King James' first priority wasn't like, and who's this Shakespeare? But Shakespeare still wanted to prove that he was, uh, you know, down with Scotland and the new king. So Macbeth is one a story from so let me write you a scary spooky play that's super cursed well yeah and um king james can trace his ancestry back to banquo Macbeth's super chill best friend who does everything right and Macbeth is the bad guy and also uh we have this witch prophecy in the middle where the witches are like and one day there'll be a king who's sexier and better than all the other kings uh referring to king james 
And King James was like, hell yeah, this Shakespeare guy, he gets me. And also King James hated witches. That, like, he ran on the political platform of, like, no more witches. <laughs> See, why can't we get a political platform like that? Something bipartisan everyone can get behind. I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm behind no well, more witches. Well, I think now I would be pro-witches. I'm the pro-witch party. I would be the, the party running on the platform of, we need more witch. Actually, true story right now in my like Amazon cart uh-huh. I have a cauldron and some candles for spells this is my fault because I got her a cape and uh, a, book a book of, of witchcraft, witchcraft for the same Christmas last year and I told her I was like you you did this to me <laughs> I just this is me now um but so I, I think that also contributes to the the cursedness of the play beyond all these special effects and props that at the time there wasn't, you know, like there weren't a lot of really uh, stringent OSHA regulations. There was no equity. <laughs> there was no equity to be like, hey, so you can't stab the actors with real knives. Um, also being an actor was uh, thought of as a pretty like rough and tumble, lowly profession. Um, Same up until and including now, but they also didn't have unions. Um, yay, unions. Unions. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think another pro huge unions, factor... Pro-witches 2020. <laughs> another huge factor is that there weren't just witches in this play. They were like super-duper evil. It was a very anti-witchcraft moment in history. So, which of course, they were also all fucking obsessed with witches because they were like forbidden and... Ooh, they are against the gender norms. Hot. Um, so I think that's another big contributing factor that this play was like so much about witchcraft that everyone was like, no, it's evil. We don't like it. Make it stop. Let's do more of it. Exactly. And also that these witches are, are pretty evil. I mean, again, we can, we'll can we get more into it when yeah, we actually cover Macbeth. But, I mean, something wicked this way comes is their actual line. It's very yeah. much witches, devilly, Hecate. We've got well, all this spooky stuff. Interesting that like the witch. Uh, obviously, the witch means a lot of different things in a lot of different cultures. Um, but to boil down what the sort of European witch, Elizabethan, uh, Elizabethan witch, um, and and you know to a large extent the American idea of the witch, um, all sort of end up in the same area of a woman who or a person who is outside of gender norms in a scary way um and also you know consorting with the devil and magic and whatnot but blah, I, blah. Uh, but i do think it's really interesting that we're at this moment in history where we've had a queen for a really long time and everyone was like i guess we're down like hashtag girl boss we're all still still super patriarchal but we're being run by a queen which is like emotionally confusing and for she us did a really good job and she was like really great she and had a great you know the spanish armada and everything yeah and much better why in six do they not talk about elizabeth in any of the songs they i don't know they mention mary and the brother is also easy to forget anyway um, everyone listen to six um it's a Bop. It's fun. Um, it's a musical about Henry VIII's six wives. Uh, one of the which... sequel's just going to be a three-person musical. That's uh, or it's going to bloody be... Mary, Queen Elizabeth, and the brother, and the brother. Maybe <laughs> the... Mary, Queen of Scots, comes in. Oh point. yeah, yeah. Everyone loves Queen Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots, and their rivalry, even though they never met. Yep. Um, anyway. But uh, speaking of Elizabeth and the Scots, so oh, wait, the witches. We were talking about the witches. Yeah, so we're yeah. in this moment where a man is taking over 
and we're the whole country is kind of scrabbling to be like you know they're all smashing their hashtag girl boss mugs and um like <laughs> hiding their pussy hats <laughs> yeah it, everyone is kind of like really quick reverting from not that everyone was feminist or uh by people any have means. never been feminist no one's ever been feminist um but the way i'm, I'm using girl boss because you know it's like kind of a, a lady boss lean in white feminism um that i think is maybe a good analog to the fact that they're like well women are still trash and weak but elizabeth is cool because she's like a man we love that we love that for her um, but yeah, so we've got this man coming in and suddenly uh, who's very anti-witchcraft, very anti any kind of like perversion of the female role. And then we have the witches in Macbeth are very um, uh, explicitly like gender non-conforming because when Banquo and Mackers first see them, they're like, they look like women, but they have beards. What? Um, and even to some degree, like Lady M, who mm-hmm. is not a witch, uh, Hashtag not a witch. Or is she? Uh, or is she? Uh, is, you know, dealing with some pretty intense gender role stuff with the, you know, unsex me here and, mm-hmm. and the undoing that's caused by that. Um, going back into the idea of the witches specifically of the time period, mm-hmm. though, something I remember learning uh, in high school that I found really interesting that I think is we, like, don't talk about very much mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be inherent to your production because, again, it's Shakespeare. You can do whatever you want. But apparently one of the, like, more pervasive beliefs of the time in terms of witches was that um, evil spirits had to be conjured Mm -hmm. and that you could either conjure an evil spirit consciously the way a witch maybe would or I guess the witches in this case are the evil spirits so you could you could you could call them to you but another the other way to conjure witches was by having dark thoughts Mm. so there is or would theoretically have been an understanding at that very beginning of the play that when the witches appear to Macbeth, he already, somewhere inside of him, already has all of those those evil thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um, which I think makes a lot of sense when you look at like his first speech after the witches are like, you're gonna be glums and then king. Um, they don't say anything about having to do anything about mm-hmm. for that or kill anyone or do anything dark. They're just like, this is what's gonna happen. And the fact that his first speech is like, Oh, I fear me what I will need to do. It's like, it's like, hey, guy, hey, you, you uh, <laughs> wh- wh- what have you been thinking about? I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, weird that that's your first thought. Um, yeah. Also, he, he's also a character who's in kind of an interesting place gender wise. His wife does a lot of like, man up at him. Um, and there's sort of this association of manliness with like, murdering people but also he's following the advice of these witches who are feminine yet you know outside the gender binary um and also in terms of this like thinking dark thoughts another just one last thing that i think contributes to the cursedness of this play yes is when we compare it to a play like titus andronicus where it's also just like a shit ton of blood <laughs> everywhere Macbeth is a much more personal, psychological kind of terror than most of Shakespeare's other bloody plays, which involve a lot of, like, stabbing people and cutting off their hands and tongues and, you know, horrible, horrible stuff. But Macbeth involves, you know, sleepwalking, obsessively washing your hands, being plagued by hallucinations and and guilt. And, like, things that everyone, even if you've never murdered anyone... 
Like we've all felt guilt. Paranoia. It's something that we're all, it's, it's a thing that's capable of haunting everyone in the audience. Like the horror of Macbeth is, I mean, if you're an Elizabethan, you're also like, yeah, witches are scary and very real because <laughs> I, or a, a, sorry, a, a Jacobean at this point, if you're a Jacobean, you're like, yeah, witches, man, killed my brother. Um, but on top of all of that, it's a play about being haunted by bad things that you have done and your mind churning against you, uh, you know, being terrorized by paranoid delusions and compulsions, which again is something that more people have experienced on a more visceral level than having your hands and tongue cut off, I should hope. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's, that's and a, actually a quick... one final mm-hmm. thing about sure. the curse. Um, I, should have done some research on this, but whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure there was also a string of um, failed productions of Macbeth. Yes. Um, that did you mention this already? Was I zoning out? No, no, no. Because the other fun thing about the curse, so there's all of the ways that like the productions themselves are cursed, which I think is is fun and cool and, and oh, scary. I also have one. Um, but uh, the other sort of flip side of it being cursed was it literally. Um, because it's such a popular play, there was a, a, a stretch of time, and who's to say that it's not still now, that when a theater was failing, their like last-ditch effort to like try and bring somebody in before they would close would be to do Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And if you're already a failing theater, it often failed. Mm-hmm. So it would be like the last failure of your theater company. So there's all of the scary, like stabby ways that it's cursed, but also a curse of like the box office. <laughs> Also, uh, one last kind of unfair association with Macbeth and the curse is that, again, this is all alleged. Um, I mean, I can, yeah, the, the Laurence Olivier stuff, yeah. Could I have done more rigorous research? Sure. But October is not about rigorous research. No, October it's about is about scaring your listeners. Spreading lies and rumors and making fun cackling noises. But um, allegedly, Macbeth is the last play that Abraham Lincoln ever read before he was shot the next day in the theater. Not the last one he saw. Not the last one, one he saw. But I think it, it's worse. interesting that Macbeth. Macbeth's association with the theater being cursed is so pervasive that like no one is getting bent out of shape over our our American cousin, which was the play that Lincoln was watching uh, when and he was also is wild, which is also a wild play. Um, but it was the the play that Lincoln was actually watching when one of the actors shot him, uh, John Wilkes Booth. In case you're not familiar, um, you know, but have you heard of him? I do think it's funny that um, over the years people have been like, yeah, but that's not a scary play. What if he was reading Macbeth the night before? Um, So it's also blamed for the Lincoln assassination. Uh Uh-oh. What's all this? I've prepared a sound effect. Oh, boy. This is Ghostwatch. (laughs) Also known... Um, this is a game that I made up called, it's called, (laughs) good, I like that natural fade out. (laughs) I'm very good at sound effects. Um, okay, so this is a game that I invented for Halloween, and by Halloween I mean today. Um, any day that you're listening to this is Halloween. um, It's October 3rd, so it's the third day of Halloween. Yes, (laughs) on the third day of Halloween, um, we talk about, my roommate gave to me. 
uh, a podcast segment about ghosts. Okay, so this is the game. Don't look at it. Seasonal. Um, (laughs) um, Classic Halloween song. (laughs) October through December is the best season. Let me just say, I've gotten like deep into some 1930s through 1960s vintage Halloween songs. So all you chuckleheads saying there are no good Halloween songs... Oh, there's so many good Halloween songs. There are so many good Halloween songs. Okay, yeah, whoever's saying that is wrong. Let's set up that straw man and burn him. Uh, (laughs) Fuck you, straw man of my own invention. (laughs) Yeah, I have a a whole, we had a whole Halloween album in in our car when I was growing up. Anyway, um, okay, so here's the game. It's called Rate My Ghost. Rate My Ghost. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three clues about this ghost. Mm-hmm. And first, you're going to see if you can name either the ghost or the play, either one. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to count to three, and we're each going to give it a rating, Great. one to ten. Oh, okay, cool. On just, like, how good a ghost. So, less of a game <laughs> and more of a, a, a rating system. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. okay. I'm into it. Um, so, I can't lose this game. You, it's a game you can't lose, like Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> Um, it's very like Dungeons and Dragons. Like Dungeons and Dragons in that it involves numbers, Great. but only in a loose way. Okay, yeah. so ghost number what's ghost to, number one? Yes, roll initiative for your ghost hunting. Okay. Dice roll noise. Uh, ghost, I got a 20. Oh, wow. You're going to rate so good. Great. You're going to rate the ghost. You're going to rate the shit out of this ghost. I'm excited. Okay, ghost number one Okay. Uh, probably has a bunch of stab wounds. Only shows up when everybody but you is asleep and understands the scheduling is hard in our modern Roman world and just wants to make that clear. <laughs> it's the ghost from Julius Caesar. Yeah, which is, do we remember who? The ghost of Julius Caesar. It's the ghost of Julius Caesar. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to rate the ghost on how good a ghost. One to ten. Okay. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Five. Four. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Why have you chosen a five for this? Go- or I, four. Said four. I said four. I said five. five. You're giving him more credit. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think my personal bias against Julius Caesar is coming a little it's bit really showing. here. Uh, uh, see it's our not, other episodes. See our Julius Caesar episode. Look, it's not my favorite play, then that's okay. Um, but I, I do think that he's not, he's not a character who we've like grown to have a lot of feelings about. So we're, we, I don't know. And also it's, the point that he shows up, like Brutus is already feeling kind of like, oh, maybe assassination isn't the best way to run a republic. Um, so I don't know that isn't he's- Isn't it Brutus? Isn't it? So, and also because Brutus is like- now. It looks a whole lot it's better. It's a very much like, was it a dream or was it a ghost ghost? And those are just less scary because everyone has dream ghosts. Where your dream ghosts. It's not substantiated by anyone else. So I write this ghost off as a, a very scary and cool nightmare. Mm. What, why did why did you say five? Um, similar. I feel like it's a five because, you know, five is like the exact average. Um, it kind of just comes out of nowhere tonally for me. <laughs> depending true. on like how you've staged your production. It's like, all right, we're in like a political threat. And then there's a ghost. <laughs> um, like I remember reading it in 10th grade for the first time and being like, what the fuck? And our teacher was sort of like, yeah, guys, I mean, Shakespeare was just trying to write a fun play. Like, he wasn't writing it for an English class. And, like, Elizabethans liked ghosts. And I was like, it was the first time, honestly, that I had thought about it in that way of just like, oh, yeah, I guess people do just like ghosts. Yeah. Um, But also that he's, he's a little scary, but mostly he's just like, 
Check the Google Cal invite that I sent you. Yeah, really? Brunch at Philippa. <laughs> it's really a, a ghost reminder. He's like a... He's like the notification that yeah. shows up on your phone. And you're like, oh man, I gotta go meet my dead friend. Yeah, he's not do- He's not a very good... It's not a good haunting. <laughs> but I, I will say, I didn't... I don't want to give him below a four because... You know, still he's it, doing his ghost thing. He also, scares like, him. You, seeing the ghost he's of, mentioned at the end of your dead friend just, yeah. is um, who you killed <laughs> would be upsetting, mm-hmm. even if you're asleep. Okay, next ghost. Next ghost. Um, this is actually a whole group of ghosts. Okay, they are the physical embodiments of this is your fault. Go fuck yourself. Great. Uh, and one could think of them as the OG dream ghosts. The ghosts from Cymbeline. Close. These ones are mad, though. Like, angry mad. The ghosts from Richard III. Yes! <laughs> so, these uh, ghosts are ready. We're going to rate them. One, two, three, two. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always one point below you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like nobody remembers them. I didn't. I mean, they're just like... I will say Richard III is not one of the plays I know very well. And they're also, I think, more clearly a dream. Like, yeah. he wakes up from a dream. Yeah. And, like, they are ghosty in that they do go talk to somebody else, but... Kind of the same reasons we were saying. Well, like, at least with Julius Caesar, there's a chance that it's a ghost who is waiting. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one's pretty clearly a dream. Dream ghosts. Dream ghosts are just not as fun because we all have dream ghosts. <laughs> right? I feel like Shakespeare got a little more hesitant putting ghosts into the, like, English history plays. Yeah, he was like, this is maybe too bold of me. Mm, okay. Like a lot. Next ghost, next ghost. Okay. Uh, all right, so this is another gaggle of ghosts. Okay. Uh, they are literally referred to in the play as petty spirits. Okay. Uh, and they annoy Jupiter into being nice to their descendants. This, these are the symbols. These ghosts. are the symbolian ghosts. <laughs> exactly. Okay, ready? One, two, three, five. Four. Okay. Okay. See, what I like about these ghosts—they've got moxie. Well, I don't like that they're defending Posthumus, who's a fucking dumbass. He's one in a long, long line of Shakespearean boyfriends where their dude friend is like. I think your girlfriend's probably cheating on you. And he's like, I'll kill her. Where it's like, whoa, there are like nine steps to go before that. So one posthumous zero out of 10 as a boyfriend. Um, but one, his name means like after death, mm-hmm. like he was named after his father's death. Um, and so it's, it is kind of cool that his like dead family shows up to come swimming in for him. And I also just like that in this play about like, Roman occupied England and an ancient English king. They're like, the these ghosts are gonna talk to Jupiter, the the Roman god who's gonna intervene in the plot of this like rom com. It's just it's so extra. It's very that extra. it comes back around and it's fun again. And I think for me the reason they get I think I gave them what a four or a five of four. Already forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> um, is I mean they're not very scary. So as far as like Halloween ghosts, I'm like all right. But I also like that they're nice ghosts. I'm I'm always here for a friendly ghost. So actually, I think I'm going to say five. Of like, I think the reason they don't get higher from me is that you can literally cut the scene from the play. Yeah, Um, I've never seen the scene in Cymbeline. Exactly. (laughs) The fact that you can cut the scene with that much ease makes it so that I'm not giving them a high one. But I like that they're nice. It's, there are a couple of... I like nice ghosts. (laughs) There are a couple of Shakespeare plays where there's like, and at the end a god shows up that just regularly get cut. Like at the end of uh, As You Like It, the goddess Hymen of Marriage is supposed to just like show up be just here. be there hey yeah uh, you often gets cut 
All right, next ghost. We've got uh, he he's got plenty of lines in real life, but he's not a very chatty ghost. Okay. Um, he's definitely here to guilt and embarrass you and shake his gory locks. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and he's totes ready to crash your dinner party. Who is he? Banquo. Yeah, that one was. Yeah. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, nine. Seven? Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, you start this time. Why seven? I don't know. I I honestly was just looking for a number. I feel like um, I maybe an eight actually. I think he's he's a really good ghost. I'm I'm just not. I'm I'm incapable of giving something a ten in, in a rating system. It's so I know. scary. Um, because that's the idea of perfection, and I just don't know what that is. I remember um, the argument we had at like age seven about which was the best Captain Planet character, and you just kept saying, "I love them all equally," and I was like, "Danielle, you need to." Fucking make a choice here. And that's still a problem that I have. It's still something I'm working through. Um, no, I think he's a, a good... Actually, I'm going to give him a se- an 8. I think a 7 or an 8. 7.5. Let's say 7.5. Because I think I like that he's he's scary. I mean, he's like all ghosts, difficult to stage effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he, again, in terms of... I, I guess what it seems like is that I am like... How important are you to the plot is mm-hmm. how I write this mm-hmm. ghost. And I think this one is pretty important to the plot um, because he, you know, sort of physically embodies the, the madness that's happening. Um, but again, it's it's one of those interesting, like, is it a hallucination or is it guilt or is it real? But for the context of what Macbeth is exploring, that's part of what's fun and spooky about it. Yeah. And who's your favorite Captain Planet character? I, um, the redhead? There's no redhead. You failed. <laughs> oh no, there is Wheeler. There I'm is. sorry. How dare you? I was thinking of. I was thinking of the girls. Um, I honestly I don't remember who my favorite Captain Planet character. It was heart- probably one of the girls. Yeah. No. There's the blonde Russian girl, and there's the other girl. <laughs> um, now I'm googling Captain Planet. What are their names? I don't. The only names I remember are Wheeler was the redhead American boy. There's the blonde Russian girl. I don't remember where the water girl was from. The Planeteers. And then Matai? Mati? He was from okay, Brazil. Okay, we've got... He's the best one. Whoa, Kwame was voiced by LeVar Burton. Hell yeah, he was. LeVar Burton's career. Can we just... Smart <laughs> House. What's Smart House? Oh my God, Charlotte. Our... I'm so, sorry, sorry listeners. You, LeVar Burton's career, you're starting with Smart House okay, and not this is why, though, this Roots, is no, Roots, The Next Generation, Star- Roots, Star- and, Trek, Reading and Reading Rainbow. No, no, no. Reading Railroad? Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Um, no, the you, reason is that we, we do love you. It's because there was a day he came to speak when I was in college. And obviously, like, those are the things that everyone cares about is Star Trek and Reading Rainbow and, um, and Roots. But he was, like, talking about those things and everyone was listening and, like, really into it or whatever. And then offhand, he said something and he goes, oh, yeah, and when I directed Smart House and I shit you not... The room exploded. I didn't know that that many people had seen Smart House, <laughs> let alone cared about Smart House. But for whatever reason, this man has done so much. Uh, Smart House was the thing that took the house down. Anyway, I don't. Okay, Kwame Wheeler, yeah. Linka. Was that G? G, I guess. Yeah, controls water. Mati. Oh, great. She was from China. Um, Mati was from Brazil. I remember that. I don't remember. Like it was who, from the Soviet Union. Sorry. Honestly, not probably the one that wields the power of heart. That I don't was know. Mati. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't he, know. Know. he was the best one. I mean, 
Although knowing child me, a girl would have been my favorite. I think I liked the Russian one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> remember. That was basic. I would um, have to rewatch. I think I liked them all equally. I remember not liking I stand Wheeler. by my old statement. Okay, wait. We got one more. Wait, no. Why, why did you rate uh, Banquo an eight, I think you said? Jordi LaForge does have problematic views about women, but still, I'm a LeVar Burton stan. Anyway, um, I, I mean, it's not his fault he didn't write the character. But I think that Banquo is the perfect ghost. Almost so then the why per- isn't almost, he a 10? Well, almost the perfect Should've ghost. Should have given him a 9. Almost the perfect ghost. Because um, I, my ideal ghost... With, I think what's scary about a ghost is more that kind of like, is it real or not? Am I losing my mind? Is one of the scariest elements yeah. of seeing a ghost. Um, I like that the Banquo ghost, you can see him or not see him. I mean, the, the scene can be staged with an actor portraying the ghost or a special effect or whatever, or with nothing and Macbeth yelling at an empty chair. Both um, are scary. Empty chairs and empty tables. Beautiful. Um, both can be done well and some productions do both uh there there was that famous patrick stewart production where um they did the scene twice once with a ghost and once with just mcbeth yelling at nothing which is great um yeah so i think that is what elevates the spook level i also like that banquo doesn't talk um i don't know i i just think like my ghost preference is ghost as spooky apparition and less as like a character who talk at you Mm. but I will say, I guess point off because no clarity of purpose. Um, he doesn't. Other than to haunt, other than to haunt. No, okay, good I haunting. I would say really good haunting. Really good haunting. Because it's like basically the the end. And I think I also think this is something I was thinking about because I saw I just saw the Macbeth at Oregon Shakes uh-huh. and the lady M was amazing because yeah. that arc is so hard and she made it so clear and seamless. And I do think that the the party scene. I mean, again, stage it how you want, live it how you want. But for most productions, is one of the major points of schism. Like that yeah. is, um, I I do think it's interesting playing with whether or not she can see it. I think that the textually she can't, and most of the time it's stage that she can't. I have heard that sometimes people will stage it so that maybe she can, and she's just better at keeping it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, and especially if he's the only one seeing it then the haunting is working not only because he's driving Macbeth crazy, but because he's driving a, an even deeper wedge between him and his wife. Yes. Um, maybe I'm realizing that I should have rated him higher. Well, I think the only thing that stops him from being... I think being... for an eight for me. Okay. I've, like, moved him up and <laughs> I think the only 8. thing 5. that stops him being uh, ten is, like, yes, I do like that not everyone can see him, but, we again, we have no proof that this is a ghost. Yeah. Um, like, there is... Actually, there's no proof that there's any actual supernatural shit in Macbeth. If you cut the scene where the Hecate. witches are talking to Hecate and they summon a bunch of shit. Um, if you cut that, the witches could just be three weirdos who are trying to punk Macbeth. You know, or like three... Okay, not to get political here, but three witches in the way that like there are modern practitioners of Wicca who aren't necessarily like conjuring... Um, the devil the devil but you know we'll still gather and do incantations and stuff with the with the, okay no I don't I don't yeah, want to yeah, say yeah, no, never mind never mind okay never fine mind. last ghost last ghost last ghost uh, wait wait no okay not not to not to wait into uh, my opinions on Wicca deepest carrier in woods yeah everyone do you but I just mean that there's no uh, there's a lot of hints at the supernatural in Macbeth but yeah the ghost doesn't do anything that proves definitively that he's not just a hallucination is the only thing that keeps him from being a 10 yes Okay, final ghost. 
Dead due to ear poison and trapped in a sort of purgatory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wants vengeance real bad. Yeah. And just wants his teenage 30-year-old son to be nice to his mother. <laughs> Hamlet Sr. All right. Ready? One, two, three, nine. 9.5. Yeah. Okay. So this, to me, is probably Shakespeare's best ghost. For me, the reason that I rate him slightly higher than Banquo is almost the opposite of, like, I do like that he has some character. And, like, a clear purpose. Uh-huh. Um, and I also like that figuring out whether or not he's a ghost is a large part of the plot. Uh-huh. Like, so I think for, for both of what I've realized, I guess, my ghost barometers are, which is plot mm-hmm. and scare, mm-hmm. he does both. Yeah, I, I mean, he's a great ghost. How can you argue with Hamlet's dad? I think the only thing that knocks him... If you're Hamlet, you can. You can. The only thing that knocks him down a peg for me is that he's such an expositional ghost. Yes. Um, Like, he really... He shows up to, like, solve the murder mystery. This is what happened. Um, Here we are at the beginning of the play. I also think... Yeah, no, I guess... I don't know. I don't know if this is a plus or a minus for me that other people see him... So we know that there's something happening. But yeah, he's a good mix of like creepy, but also has a personality. He's more of a like uh, Marley's ghost in terms of he shows up to be like, ooh, here's what you should do. And uh, less just to terrify. So that's fun. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like, I feel like he should have connected with his son in life. Yeah, but clearly he did a little (laughs) bit. I mean... Hamlet's pretty upset. It's ambiguous. It's ambiguous. It's ambiguous what the relationship was. But that's part of the play. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been Rape My Ghost. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? Wait. 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 You got to bring it back? Yeah. Great. Beautiful. I should have just stopped it at there's something weird because that could have something weird this way comes well we're coming to the end of our part one Shakespeare Halloween spooktacular because it was so scary that we see you shaking there in the corner <laughs> and we, we, we want you to come out come out it's okay it's okay Ooh. it's almost over Shakespeare's not real. We promise. <laughs> we promise. The Exordians promise. It was all. Oh God, that's that's a that's the it's real another part here. Another uh, a cast for another day. No one calls them casts. It's, it apostrophe like, cast. Setting. <laughs> Danielle, have you ever dressed up as a Shakespearean character for Halloween? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I have because I spent like most of my childhood dressing up as variations of princesses. That's true. There are princesses in Shakespeare. It's true. I mean, we did a two-woman version of Romeo and Juliet, not for Halloween, sure, but I did dress children. up as Juliet just for fun. I was Ophelia once for a costume party. I think Ooh, I. How'd you do that? I like just flowers wore and wore my dress and had flowers in my hair. That would be. That's actually a fun one. You could do like creepy, d- drowned makeup. Yeah, I feel like that would be very fun. I, I know I had a friend who, he and his girlfriend were the Thane and, and Lady cute, M. Cute, cute, which, uh, But again, you just like are stabbed and you hope you're around nerds. Three witches. Three witches would that, be I mean, good. 
not a lot of differentiation from just like a hocus pocus costume yeah Yeah, true could do a lavinia if you're kind of insensitive (laughs) (laughs) but interesting yeah she gets her her hands and tongue cut out so yeah again i feel like we're thinking about like which ones can you are like which ones are recognizable i mean you could just be hamlet i mean technically anyone who's cleopatra is doing a that's I feel like true. She's is, a mainstream one yeah, too. Doing a Cleopatra. But if you put asps on your wrists, then you <laughs> <we> know. <laughs> I feel like that even that is every Cleopatra. Still just Cleopatra. Every Cleopatra costume I've seen, and I've seen all of them. Oh, they in always, her day. They always have like a, a snake bracelet of some kind. You that's know? true. That's true. So something asp adjacent. What's another good one? I'm now just thinking well, of costumes just... I've worn in the plays, but that doesn't no, count. That's not helpful. <laughs> I mean, you could just hold a skull all night and be Hamlet. Hamlet Ophelia would be a cute, cute couple's costume. Yeah, especially, yeah. That's it. That's all of them. That's all the characters, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a few (laughs) others that have, like, an established enough, like, canonical look besides just wearing oh, like oh wear a donkey and... head be bottom oh that w- that's <gasps> clever that's a great couple's costume that's fun too. and then titania the with the wings bottom Aww. i saw did, okay did i see this production no did i see a trailer for this production when i went to see the simulcast of fleabag yes um the god i don't think it's the rsc i'm gonna be wrong i'm not looking up who's producing this but there's a production the the one the uh with brand of tarzan yes i was gonna say yes. my friend saw that one. Oh, they were she? in london and yeah and, and said it was really good amazing yeah um, so it sounds really fun i saw the ad for that the, just the photos look so well, it looks it looks interesting because it looks like uh gwendolyn christie that's her name right yeah okay she is playing titania but it looks like they've switched the parts uh, a bit so that Oberon is the one who falls in love with Bottom. Yeah, I think it's something like they maybe just switched all their lines. That always confuses me. I'm always like, well, well in that case, when can they you can, just can't she just play Oberon, Oberon and have the other one play Titania? Whatever they do, they, you I guess they, they do that where they they g- keep the name with the gender and then switch all the lines. They're like I, um, I guess whatever. But, but I played but the that's other fun. part. That's fun though. I'm, yeah, I'm into I'm, that. I'm curious. I wish I could see it. But I guess I can. So that maybe. on that spooky note, oh, we, so spooky. <laughs> which we could see wow. this production um, that's in like London or something. Yeah. The spookiest place. Thank you all for listening to our podcast about curses and ghosts. And Halloween costumes. Join us all. No, I'm falling down a well. Oh, oh, oh no, Danielle. Splash. I'm okay. Do you need anything? You know, just just the rest of this outro. <laughs> just to, to let our audience be. All right, Danielle lives at the bottom of the spell now. Goodbye. Um, yeah, thank you all for... Now I can be Ophelia for Halloween. Perfect. Thank you all for listening. I've been Charlotte Ali. And I continue to be Danielle Cohn. And we'll see you all next time for another very spooky episode of What You Will. A tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
What should we dress Freya up as for Halloween? Freya, our cat? Yeah. Um, I feel like she will destroy most things. So it's got to either be, it's got to be cute enough that we can snap a pic and it'll be worth it. We, we should dress her up as the raccoon that we found in our stairwell. Oh my God, we did. We <laughs> there did. Was there was a raccoon in our stairwell. I went to go downstairs and because we are 20 somethings living in New York, the elevator wasn't working. And then the, on the, the next landing, there was just a raccoon sleeping. I only saw it. I didn't walk past it because I'm not brave. I'm the girl from Brave. <laughs> You're the girl from Brave. I told, to, I was like, oh, what a fun anecdote. Um, we both tutor kids. And I was like, to tell some of my students later today. And I told a couple of these 12-year-olds I tutor, like, I, there was a raccoon in my stairwell today. And they just stare at me with the, the blank stare of a rich child looking at a poor adult being exactly. like, what? What's wrong with you? What? Like, none of them were, like, charmed. No, I literally, <laughs> yeah. So this goes out there to that raccoon, wherever he may be. We're, that's the thing though is I called animal control one of them and they were like $350 to remove it and I was like fuck that and so then we called our super and he was like I'm not there but my cousin will deal with it and we were like okay and then I called a third one and they were like well we'll send someone to look at it and if it's sick we'll move it away but if it's not sick we'll just leave it because we don't deal with that shit and a few hours later the raccoon was gone the raccoon was just gone which means that either it was sick and taken away the cousin stepped up, or we now have a raccoon that lives in our building. I hope the cousin and the raccoon are somewhere having an adventure. Yeah. 